1: Welcome into another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. If you want to check out everything that we are doing in the Five Reasons Sports Network, check it all out at fivereasonsports.com. You can find all of our social there. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and you can also find all of our podcasts there. Fifteen podcasts in the network, calling covering, excuse me, all of South Florida sports and. Going on the Miami Heat as they enter the offseason. Ethan, I heard you on with the Miami Heat beat this morning. Goldie on ice. Uh, Goldie had an interview with the new Panthers head coach, Joel Quenville. We hope to be covering the Panthers as well uh, during the offseason. Swings and misses every week on the Miami Marlins. Three yards per carry on the NFL Draft, which brings us to what we want to discuss today, Ethan. The NFL Draft is coming up here in about a week's time, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's kind of snuck up on us. We've obviously been full bore on the NBA season but uh, now, as we head towards the NFL draft, want to kind of cover it from a big-picture point of view because I think next week uh, we'll hope to have one of the three-yards guys on and, uh, and really break down what it is they're going to be trying and doing, specifically in terms of what they're trying to pick in the draft. But we're not exactly what you would call a draft mix. We're not right. you know, up-to-date on everything going on uh, with prospects. We don't know things about Michigan defensive linemen. So we kind of want to cover it from a broader perspective. Um, so I'll start here, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at this draft – is there anything that they could do for you that would be wrong? Other than taking a kicker or a punter at 13, mm-hmm. is there anything that you can do you think that would be wrong based off of really going forward? And I, I want to talk to this later. Based off of what they have now, which is not really a lot of guarantees at a lot of places. There's, they're trying to build out this foundation. Do you think that anything they can do in this draft would be wrong?
2: I think it would be more of a strategy thing than a player thing. Like like you said, I don't think we're going to dive into particular players here as much as some of like our other people in the network, like Three Arts Per Carry might. Obviously, I got to study up on it the next week, but they've been studying it for months. I I think it's really about kind of where you are as an organization and what makes sense for you to do, you know, when you're at that stage. And so, and I always go back to Jimmy Johnson's tenure because I think there was a pivot point where he kind of was going the right direction and then screwed it up so his first two years he just accumulated picks because they were a new look when Don Shula brought in a bunch of guys in 1995 they had like 22 first round picks on the roster it bombed they got off to a fast start they fell apart uh it was kind of a disaster by the end of the year they got blown up by Buffalo Jimmy comes in and it was like we're gonna start from a totally new uh you know foundation and so you know he brought in some veterans like Jack Del Rio etc but Really, it was about accumulating as many picks as you could, trading down, trying to gather those picks, and then, you know, giving yourself as many bites at the apple as possible because you needed players. You just needed players, and and you didn't know who was going to become what, but it turned out that you got a fifth, you know, in the fifth round, you got a foundational piece in Zach Thomas that, you know, you got uh, a Sean Wooden in the sixth round who ended up becoming a starting safety for you, like, up and down that draft, he missed on a lot of guys. I mean, Dorian Brew, etc. Even Daryl Gardner as a first-round pick was not a great first-round pick. But they had enough shots that he ended up uh, accumulating players to fill out the roster. You know, then 1997, uh, he kind of did the same thing. Um, you know, they you know they ended up taking Jason Taylor in the third round. They got Sam Mattis in the second round. Yuteel Green didn't work out in the first round. But again, they had more picks than they had rounds. Right? Like that was the whole philosophy. And, you know, then they they kind of in in 98, you know, they made what I felt was a smart move. They gave away a future, you know, pick to to move up and take Sertan, who obviously that worked out. Um, But from there, they kind of were in a position where they built the foundation. They had a good young core. It wasn't great, but it was a good young core. It was developing. And that was the time for them to, like, go after one guy, right, like to go up and get him. And they didn't, you know, he made a decision not to go up and get Randy Moss, they trade down. They take John Avery. We kind of know how that worked out. You know, they, they tried to dress up Larry Shannon as the white Randy Moss in the third round. <laughs> that didn't work out very well. And so I, I think you just ended up in a position, you know, where, you know, Jimmy didn't pivot. He didn't pivot to a time where that was the time for that team to take the next step. This Dolphins team just needs players. Like, they just, they can't even fill out a roster right now without going to the San Antonio team from the AAF. Like, they They need players. And they need to see who's going to develop into something for them in the future. And so my thought on them in this draft is trade down. Like unless you can get a quarterback, come out of this draft with more players than the than you initially had picks, okay? And because there isn't one player who's going to be franchise changing for you. And the problem is that by the time that player develops into something franchise changing, you know, you may be in a totally different position as an organization. So I, I just think they need to get guys uh, at the core positions, I would overdraft at, you know I always say overdraft at quarterback, but I would also overdraft at defensive end, I would overdraft at corner, and I would overdraft uh, at receiver, because I do think that that has become kind of a premium position, um, and I would overdraft at, on the offensive line, particularly at the tackles. Uh, I, I do not think that you should be investing a lot of resources in defensive tackles, I don't think you should be investing a lot of resources in fullbacks or guards up the middle. Uh, that Parcells philosophy, I think, has come and gone. Do you need to build the trenches? Yes. But uh, they need a couple defensive ends. Like, they don't have any defensive ends on the roster. Yeah, it's basically just Charles Harris. And we know what that is. Exactly. So, uh, to me, that that's it. more so than the particular players that they choose. It's, you know, we need to be... If we're really in a rebuilding phase, which they are... We can argue over the word tanking. We've done it. But they're clearly rebuilding. If they're in a rebuilding phase, then they need... You know, to sort of, you know, you know, dip the hook in and see how many guys they can come, in, come out of that with who will be, you know, reasonably co- core players for them going forward.
1: I agree. And and to me, when you look at the, the way that if you're rebuilding, right, there are almost no wrong choices. But I, I do think that there are certain things you want to have in place because... I think the, the Russell Wilson thing was a topic of conversation until uh, he ended up signing an extension with Seattle. And I, I was uh, I was in the uh, 790 studios yesterday. I heard Leroy Horrid screaming uh, like a crazy person, as he is wont to do, um, about how if you traded for Russell Wilson, that wouldn't make any sense given that you don't have a team that would even benefit a quarterback right now. And so even if they did draft a quarterback and they drafted well and they hit on the right guy, we might not even, one, find out because of how bad the surrounding team would be, and two, he would not be able to elevate to his top potential. So I do think if you are rebuilding, right, if you're starting from scratch and you're picking at 13, if they're picking at one, we're talking about the quarterback position, but picking at 13, you're starting to fill out that core around the quarterback. I would say, obviously, Building out on defense is important, and you mentioned that shortage of defensive end. But, I mean, if they wanted to take a running back for the eventuality of Kenyon Drake no longer being here, I don't know what you think of Kalen Balaj, but I wouldn't be opposed to that. If you want to take a wide receiver to, and and really start to fill out the, the exterior and interior of that offensive line, if you just want to fill out an offense mm-hmm. that can exist before the new quarterback comes in, I think that's important. But I, I guess the reason why I phrased the question that way is because— I do think that almost no matter the position, I, I, I mentioned kicker punter, maybe offensive guard would bore people. But even then, if it's that good of a player, I think you can you can you know at least say top offensive lines like there were in Dallas have really carried good offenses, and you're you're getting ready for the next quarterback. I just don't think I think that one of the genius parts about rebuilding is that executives don't really get get to undergo that much scrutiny because anything is out there. And so I I don't think that they could make a mistake almost no matter the decision that they end up making because I I just think that any position you can say, well, yeah, they need one of those. And so I don't really think that there's that many mistakes out there for the Dolphins to make. Agreeing with you saying that trading down should be an option, I just don't know. I, I think the New Orleans trading up and giving mm-hmm. up major draft capital to draft a quarter uh, draft a a draft player that's not a quarterback as they did this past year. I forget, right. that, I forget the name of the player, but they gave up a future first because they were so enamored with a non-quarterback player. And I think picking at 13, I mean, unless Dwayne Haskins falls to them because of this draft process, um, I just don't see a scenario in which a team is going to trade up to 13. They might right. trade up for earlier in the draft, but to 13, I don't think there's going to be a quarterback there nor – a non-quarterback that's really going to be that uh, appetizing to one of the teams drafting at the back end of the draft. Well,
2: I mean, it's the same conversation we had about free agency, where it's like, you know, or trades. were like, okay, Antonio Brown and Le- Le'Veon Bell want to play in Miami, but w- what's the point? Like, exactly. I, you know, and so I, I just, you know, I think Dolphin fans, I, I think they've conditioned Dolphin fans enough. I mean, even though it was, it's been clumsy, they've conditioned them enough over the past few months to recognize that they're not really trying to heavily compete this year. So as long as that's kind of understood at this stage, then I, I think Dolphin fans are going to be okay with just about anything on the draft. Now, there will be the usual bitching and moaning if <laughs> if they take a uh, in, you know an offensive guard in the first round. Sure. Um, I, I just think you know that that's inevitable. Like that that people don't want to see that. But I, I do think when you look at you know uh, their options, I mean, really, like you said, everything is on the table because they don't have any strengths. <laughs> Uh, I mean, other than I guess they're starting corners, um, but one of them they have to make a decision on for an extension. You know, there was some Rashad New- Jones news today and in sa- the safety spot. The linebackers, I mean, they, they have guys who've played. I don't know that they feel should feel great about any of them. I mean, Jerome Baker looked like he has a future. Raquan McMillan did not have a great sort of first full year. Uh, you know, Kiko Alonso was either really good or really bad. I don't think he's a long-term option for them. So you know you take a look at that defense i mentioned the defensive line i mean there's nothing there the offensive line other than Tunsil who they have to decide whether to send there's nothing there at the running back position they're fine i mean running back they're fine they don't have gore but uh you know you, you figure and we thought drake was going to be the guy last year belage showed something running back you can find a guy on the street honestly uh, but receiver they're they're not they're not great i mean you know they're bringing back wilson and grant off serious injuries and they have stills who was a bit of a disappointment last year i don't think it was all his fault but, and they brought back Parker. So they've got that core of four, but it was not a core that excited you, really. I mean, well, Wilson I, Wilson was starting When to. they were healthy, it was exciting. Well, Wilson and Grant were starting to, but right. But then they weren't mm-hmm. healthy. We don't know. I mean, they both seem to be hard workers who are ahead of schedule, and they both indicate on social but, media they're ahead of schedule, but I don't e- know. And even, I mean,
1: those injuries are so major right. that even if they are players that you believe in, you know, that, that were dynamic and had this incredible, like, injuries like hips... Right. Like like the ones that Jakeen Grant and, and Albert Wilson have are the kind that just take that 5% off. And, I mean, we saw it on that play against Oakland right. where they're so far ahead of the defense they could high five in the middle of the long touchdown. That's an amount of speed that can that even if it's 3% less, right. it's ordinary, right? right, it's, right. it's fast even relative to NFL players. But, I mean, the amount of speed that they showed at times last year was extraordinary, and and I, I th- that's sort of a, a thing you plan your future. around. I, I don't know off of those
2: injuries if they're going to be that level of extraordinary. So, yeah, you yeah. can even go there as well. Yeah, so, I mean, tight end. I mean, the, you know, Gasicki changed his number to 88. I, I don't know what the effect that's going to have. Uh, you know, <laughs> they, they brought in Dwayne Allen. I mean, he's he's a pretty good player, but, I mean, not a dynamic player sure. at this stage. I mean, they, they really just don't they, – they just don't have, you know – I mean the secondary is the one place where it's funny with the secondary they they're really strong on the front end mm-hmm. that is probably the strength of the team but they have no depth right behind beyond, you, like, beyond you, their top four you would four. entirely
1: fault them if they decided that they wanted to go and draft another corner because i mean maybe maybe minkas an nickel corner right. maybe he maybe he's the safety next to rashad jones who know, who knows if even rashad jones is going to be here in, in the long haul mm-hmm. um and uh, and really other than that it's it might be where two of your best five players are in the team and yet you could still consider it a weakness right because mm-hmm. of the season that tankersley had um and, and the other guys
2: that you've brought in haven't really shown where you feel entirely confident in that group either yeah no i and that's right and and we know that flores uh comes from a system which he ran which likes to use six seven eight even eight defensive packs yeah so i so they need more bodies if nothing else now do you draft a guy just to have a body? I mean, it's pretty clear that Rashad Jones is not long for here, right? So sure. I, I think they're probably going to need a safety, just depending on what they decide to do with Minka. You know, Bobby McCain, I think, showed better as a nickel guy than he did as a full-time starter. I thought he was fine as a starter, but he's not elite. Uh, he's good. But he's not elite. Xavier's um, elite, but you don't know if he's going to be here. And Minka has a chance to be elite, but they got to figure out a position for him. But, yeah, there's just there's no certainties on this roster at all. Um, I mean, when I'm going to talk about quarterback cause I, you know, well, we are going to talk about quarterback, but I, we're not going to talk about it in this context. I, I just, I, when I look at what they have right now, um, I, you know, I don't know how you can look at this and think this is more than a four or five win roster. And so if that's the case, you just bring in guys and you kind of start over who are going to be the guys that we're going to build with. We're going to mm-hmm. integrate in, you know, you know, ingrain our culture in them, it's a different time. It's not Adam Gase. We're not excuse making. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a New England culture, but I, I think they need to come out. I, if they come out with more, again, the players we just don't know until we see them in camp. I, I've been through this so many times with the Dolphins, where we talk a lot about a guy on draft night, or and then you know you see him and and they know players know, like uh, you know there's there's a there's a, like a, a phrase in in the NFL is CP can't play. People know they they the players know when they're out on the field. Like they they'll know in the first week yeah. of practices. They don't even need the pads. It's just the way a guy moves. It's it's the way that he adjusts to things. The way that he processes information. Uh, you know, raw speed, raw strength, you, you ability to keep out. up with adults. Ability to keep up with. I mean, they'll know. Like there are certain guys, and then there are certain guys that kind of flash and they surprise you a little bit. I remember um, going back to Jimmy's time, Derek Rogers, nineteen ninety seven. I mean, it looked like he was the best linebacker in the league. I mean, he was mm-hmm. drafted in the third round. Yep. He was a project player because he was, you know, at Arizona State. He would kind of bounced around. He played in the band. He wasn't really playing football first. And he just came out hot, okay, from the very beginning. Um, and, you know, Derek turned out to be a good player, not a great player. Uh, but he was, a, he was an NFL player. Randy McMichael was terrific from the very first minute of camp. I mean, just showed out, okay? Chris Chambers showed out, okay? I mean, there are certain guys you know at the very beginning, and you also know who cannot play. Like Agnew, it was pretty clear from the first couple of weeks of that camp that he did not belong on the field with those guys. Uh, So uh, we'll get a general sense of it. They'll talk them all up. On draft night, we'll hear about all their stories and everything else. And we'll hear about how, you know, we'll have, unfortunately, the columnists, I always hate that they have to do this, but, like, they have to evaluate the draft on draft night like they've been watching film of these guys. Yeah. And and then we'll, we'll figure it out once you get to, uh, you know, the players will figure it out in OTAs. We'll start to figure it out in, in training camp. And, you know, all I want to see from them is I, I don't want them to see them box themselves in. I think too many of the coaches and GMs here have boxed themselves in. Parcells, had, Meaning what? Parcells and Sperano in Ireland had these size requirements, right? But it, was, it wasn't really about whether you could play football. It was like the size requirement. And, and, and they ended up with a lot of plotters. You know, That Cam Cameron had a lot of speed requirements. Those didn't work out so well either, okay? Um, Nick Saban just drafted guys he either coached or coached against. The yeah. whole damn draft. I mean, from Ronnie Brown to Channing Crowder to Matt Roth to Travis Daniels. I mean, the whole draft was, was either SEC guys – or in Travis Daniels' case, you know, an LSU guy that he knew, uh, and so what, what? What about system requirements? Because right. I think that there's been some conversation
1: about do you draft X player because does he fit the Patriot style of defense? Or, or I I sort of vacillate on that one because, right. like you said, you are putting yourself in a box, but at the same time, if players are scheme incompatible, like we have seen 4 three defensive ends that just don't right. work in three fours and vice right. versa, and and there are players that. Are scheme specific. So, so what do you come down on that aspect of it?
2: Well, uh, how long are the, look? Uh, how long is Steve Ross committed to this group? I mean, is he committing to this group for three plus years? Because if they are, then mm-hmm. then you want to get guys to fit the scheme. He he signed them all to, to five year contracts. You would think, right? I yeah. mean, so uh, if that's the case, then I do think scheme requirements uh, matter. Um, I I think you know, look, uh, Brian Flores has to be given a chance to succeed. Sure. And a lot of stuff that's happening so far is not giving him a chance to succeed. Mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starting quarterback in 2019 is not giving you a chance to consistently succeed. There's not a lot of mystery there. Like there's Fitz magic. There's no mystery. We know what yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick is, what he can be on the plus side, which it can be very good and what he can be on the negative side, which can be very bad. That's what we're going to get. Like we're not going to get a lot different. Okay. I mean, your quarterbacks can be a little different than what you anticipated But it's not even like that Patrick's going to play for his former offensive coordinator or for his former head coach. You're getting this guy off the street, and you know basically what his production is going to be. And it's probably going to be worse because he's got no offensive line other than left tackle. And he's got skilled players. You know, two of his best skilled players come back from major injury. You know, neither of the running backs has ever carried the load, okay, for a whole season. Uh, The tight end play, when we talk about it, it's just there's – it, it's not a great circumstance for him. And so, you know, so that's the quarterback that, that Flores has. And then you look at the other position pieces, you know, it, it, he doesn't have a lot to work with. He just doesn't have a lot to work with. I mean, again, he's coming to a situation where basically, arguably the two best players in the team, and they're, we're having discussions about whether they're going to extend them or not. So it's, it's not great. And so I, I just think at least give him players that fit his system. Like don't try to then – now, I do think it's important for coaches – to be able to adjust, Adam Gase was not good at this, Uh, to be able to adjust to the personnel they have to get the most out of it. So, if look, if if you have players that don't perfectly fit, but they have a skill set that you can really use, then it is up to Brian Flores to make that work. But I do think he's owed a little bit in terms of trying to find guys that fit the system. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors
1: here in the 5 Reason Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayburg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law LAW, they handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for forty-four ninety-nine, with a new 15,000-square-foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation, onecalllegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about the ownership thing and talking about the commitment thing. Um, uh, today, uh, I, I had a bit of free time, so I don't know if you see over there. I have a I, we're taping this together. Uh, today's today's edition of my apartment, and uh, I have a stack of ESPN the magazines. I still get those. Um, and, <laughs> You're the one. Yeah, I'm I'm the one. Um, and uh, I just said, you know what? I, I was I was like cleaning around around here, and I go. I should read these, and so I, I don't know if you remember. This came out a few months ago. Um, the long Browns piece that came out about mm-hmm. the owner—I right. actually read it. I, I read the full, however many thousand words that it was today, and like it is so jarring to me how bad bad organizations are run. Yep. And so uh, when Sashi Brown takes over, um, they had they went through a whole interview process. And they had decided on Sean McDermott, uh, who's now the coach of the Bills, to be the next coach. And the one overriding vote was the owner, Jimmy Haslam, and it was for Hugh Jackson. He was the only one. Mm -hmm. And Dee Podesta and Sasha Brown and everyone's like, but we went through this whole thing and we set this whole criteria and Hazlum goes, no, I want Hugh Jackson. Um, and then he's in the draft room and he's asking everyone's advice. And then he decides he wants Johnny Manziel. Right. right? So Johnny Manziel was going to be the guy. Ray Farm had just taken over. Um, th- this is before the, Sha- the-, the Sashi Brown group. And Mike Pettin, who was the coach, really wanted Justin Gilbert uh, with the eighth overall pick. Both of them flamed out. But again, it's... You know The overall process is, well, the coach you know, sort of grabbed his turf on the first guy, and then the owner grabs the turf on the second guy. And then in the second round, um, they get a call from Houston saying that they want Brian Hoyer in exchange for... Uh, for the, so Cleveland is Brian Hoyer, mm-hmm. and Houston will give them their second-round pick in exchange for Brian Hoyer. You do that a million times of out of a million, right? Why doesn't Cleveland do it? Because the GM... Had already given away his first two picks. He didn't want to be, you know, again on the back foot trying to figure out. No, he, he and so he wrestled control the draft, and so they didn't take the second round pick. And I, to me, the overall hope is that these kinds of bad processes are not with the Dolphins. I'm a little bit concerned about that, um, given that the tanking idea is the owners. Right. And so, and last year, he's kind of standing in the back of the room with his hands on his hips going, I don't know if Minka Fitzpatrick is the right idea. I think, right. I think I'd rather trade back. And so, I, I, do, for, for, I think you do want to leave this draft with a sense of understanding of what their process is going to be and is it going to make sense uh, for the future. I don't know if you really can understand that. without. Right.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
1: knowing the inner dynamics. But but those are the things that, that, that concern me a little bit going into this draft in terms of scheme fit versus what are they looking at in terms of a, pro, of a profile versus what does the owner come over the top and say. And so I, I do kind of want to leave this draft and really leave this entire season with a sense of, even if they've lost games, they're, they're at least – pulling all together while losing, which, I mean, we saw, as I just told you from the beginning with Cleveland, by hiring Hugh Jackson, they were not all pulling together, and then executives and coaches start start rivaling. And I, I do kind of wonder, leaving this, if we can have any idea that there is a broader plan that everyone is on board with here.
2: Yeah, well, your hope is that, I mean, look, Greer had a process, but it wasn't a total process, right? Like, it's pretty clear that he identified Brian Flores from the beginning and they spent some time kind of walking that back or pushing back against it. But, I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like, I mean, you know, there were other candidates out there that didn't seem to think that they got the look that they expected to get. You know, Fangio ends up going to Denver. You know, the Dolphins were interested, and they weren't. You know, you never know because some of this stuff's put out by agents and some of it's just misinterpreted by reporters. But it did seem like all of a sudden it was just Brian Flores. And, and you know, Adam Blesey was one who had it, credit to him. He identified it from the very beginning. So somebody's telling him that. Like and so I I think the fact that Greer and Flores are on the same page, even if they want to downplay it now, is a positive. I mean, you can have those kind of issues in mature organizations. Um I mean, look look at Ireland and Sperano. They didn't talk to each other for a year. I mean, look at the forty ers as they're going to Super right. Bowls with Harbaugh right. and with uh and with, with, York. with, with Trent Bulky, yeah. Yeah, and, and with York too, the owner. Yeah. I mean, he he was involved in all that also. So I think that, you know, look, you can have those kind of issues regardless. Um, So I'm not going to sort of overstress about that. I do think the owner lurking is a little bit problematic. I would hope that the fact that he's sort of downplayed the expectations and said he understands that they're not going to be, you know, we're not trying to win right now. And look what they did in free agency. I mean, really, other than adding Dwayne Allen, I mean, what did they do? They they signed a guard uh, whose name I still don't know. Yeah, I mean, they didn't do anything. So I mean they've held to it. I don't know if fans are happy with it, but they've held to it. Um, and so so yeah, I mean I think that there's uh, you know I, I I think when you look at it right now you say all right going into this draft what's a what's good for the organization and what's going to make the fans happy. I mean the only thing that's going to make the fans happy is either a premium skill position player, mm-hmm. which I don't know that there's one there for them at thirteen. Uh, And I don't know that it's smart because, again, running back, I do think they have a couple of prospects that are worth looking at. And a receiver, they have a lot of guys coming back, even though, like I said, I don't know that there's a number one there. Uh, But I – although Albert Wilson's numbers look like a number one, but I feel like Albert Wilson's numbers look like a number one when he's playing off of other people. I I don't know necessarily that he's a guy that other teams are going to scheme for. Um, I, You know, I just think he's a really good player who's a good addition. Mm -hmm. So – and and there there aren't really any obvious receivers. I'm looking at the CBS no. rankings right now.
1: DK Metcalf is yeah. the best receiver available in their rankings, and I don't know if really anyone down here knows who that is. No, I mean there there just aren't that the that, that bit. there isn't that. You know Sammy Watkins coming out of Clemson that destroyed the University of Miami or or, or something like that. There, some obvious player that played against UM or played against one of the Florida schools or plays for one of the Florida schools. You go, all right, th- that's the guy that right. you, you get excited about. So I I, I, I mean, let, let's talk about the quarterback idea. So, do you think if they stay at thirteen? Now I, I would be floored if they decided we have we know we we know we like a guy and we're trading up for him. I right. I think that's a very remote possibility, but. Who do you think could get to thirteen that you would feel you you'd, you'd take a chance on? I mean, I think it's a there's a snowball chance in hell that Kyler gets there. No, he's not getting there. Uh, and and so he's not getting past the three, I don't think. Right.
2: And so Locke, Haskins, Daniel Jones from Duke. I mean, it's and, it's all opportunity cost, right? Like when you look at quarterbacks, and I always believe in you take a quarterback and you ask questions later, but it's all opportunity cost. The problem with taking a quarterback in the first round for a lot of organizations is once they take him, then they feel they can't take another. And so they've committed to this one. And that is kind of what happened with Ryan Tannehill, right? Like, So Ryan Tannehill was taken in the first round in the same draft as Russell Wilson, who just got the richest contract in history, was taken in the third round. And because they took Ryan Tannehill, that meant for the next five years every good quarterback prospect that was out there from Mahomes on down, they could not look at because they were married to Ryan Tannehill, Right. So I don't want to draw, you know, too many analogies here, but there's some similarity there. You make a choice about one person, and once you make the choice about one person, there's only room for one. There's only room for one spouse in your house, okay, unless you're in Utah. There's only room <laughs> there's only there's only room for one quarterback on your team who's the leader of your team ultimately. And so I think the problem, you know, that the Dolphins will encounter, I'm in favor of them taking Haskins. I saw enough in college. I haven't studied the tape like the other people have, but I think there's enough there to bill with. But if you're taking Haskins, you're committing to Haskins. It's kind of like the same thing, you know, with the Bills last year. Where they took Josh Allen, who has flaws, has high upside, but has flaws. And now the Bills are basically, you know, for the next three years, it doesn't matter what quarterback is at. And I don't know if the Bills are going to be very good, but like, doesn't matter what quarterback's going to be out there. They're not going to take another one because they have Josh Allen. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. The first one to tell you about a great new sponsor of the five reasons sports network, and that is shipyourcarnow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery, call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy. You've looked at for a while, call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number: one 800 264 4644 That's one 800 264 4644 Or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd I, they'd had this when I was going to college would have been great for me i needed to get my car down from baltimore to florida i ended up taking the auto train you don't want to take the auto train ship your car fly no job too big or too small ship your car now moves it all yeah, I mean, the, the only way that you could is if you ended up, if the guy is so bad, just
1: like what's happened to Arizona right, right now, it happened with Cleveland and uh, and Deshaun Kaiser, where you're so bad as a rookie that your team ends up with the number one overall pick, then you have a conversation. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, the Bills uh, are going to be drafting either 10th or 11th here. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be drafting 10th. If, you know, if Haskins or, or, or someone like that en- ends up with, uh, you know, if, if someone like that ends up at 10, they're not going to take him. They're, they're just not because... Well, this is a
2: decision Arizona's making this year, right? But it's not right. the same regime. Right. I mean, that they took if, their guy last year. If, if
1: there was a more obvious prospect, like if Tua was out this year or Trevor Lawrence was out this year and you have Josh Rosen, you take those guys and you trade Josh Rosen because if he, like, as harsh as this is to say, right. I mean, if Josh Rosen can't get you to four wins in year one, you can at least make some kind of a judgment about it. Like, that's right. harsh. but But again, I think it's that extreme where... If you take a quarterback in the first round, the only way you're going to replace him the next year in the first round is if you're picking at one. And so th- that's that, that's the risk I agree with you that you're taking by maybe taking a guy at 13. So do, do you think it's likely that in the first three rounds they take a
2: guy and, and maybe try and have him compete with Fitzpatrick to be the starter? And would you like that idea? Well, I, I mean, look, I, like I said, I'm always in favor of taking a quarterback uh, if you like the quarterback because – We've also seen the alternative, which is you don't take any quarterbacks, and then you end up with Ryan Fitzpatrick at age 37 or 39 or 58, whatever it is he is. <laughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, I mean, I just think, you know, if Haskins is there, I think you got to look at it. You're a young developing team. You can give it a year. You can see where he is, and then you can make a decision next year. And, you know, like I said, like Arizona has with Josh Rosen, maybe you flip him for a third or fourth-round pick next year. And, yes, there's an opportunity lost there in terms of you're your giving up uh, a a uh, you know a, a higher pick to take this guy than you are getting back but that's ca- part of the cost of doing business i, I just uh, i think if there's a quarterback there of of sort of that pedigree it's going to be difficult for them to pass um and if they do pass then then they're going to have to sort of make it clear to the fans again what they're sort of saying behind the scenes right like they're going to have to say look um and I don't know how you say it because you're insulting Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and your other quarterbacks on your roster, but you're basically saying, you know, we just didn't feel there was a quarterback. I think what they say is we didn't feel there was a quarterback in this class that would change the fortunes of our franchise. I, like I can hear that coming out of sure. maybe Chris Greer's mouth. And, and I think that would have to be the tack that you take. But it's it's like I said, it's a dangerous proposition because if you pass on the guy then and he becomes a Mahomes – then he was there for you, and look, there are teams still getting banged on for Aaron Rodgers sitting in the room, the whole, I mean, the Dolphins, the yeah. Dolphins, I mean, we they picked about, second, they picked second, they took Ronnie Brown, like, now, uh, Ronnie Brown was a fine player, but it was not a good draft, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, arguably, you know, I, I, top three quarterback of all time, and he was there, and, and he was in the green room, and then nobody was picking him, and the Dolphins' fortunes could have changed, Drew Brees, I mean, we talk about the Drew Brees thing with Culpepper all the time, but, that sort of forgets the fact that Drew Brees was there for them to draft. Uh, they could have taken him. Now his career in Santa, San Diego was a little choppy, but they could have had him, and they didn't take him. And so, um, yeah, th- there's always that fear that you didn't take the guy that's the right. franchise guy, right? And and that's actually another
1: thing. In reading that Cleveland piece, um, they get dinged on all the time for not having taken Carson Wentz. Now, I mean, we can talk about you know years later. Uh, what Carson Wentz is as a prospect. But, again, if you don't take a guy in the first round that was taken in the first round, he ends up being a guy, then you can be second-guessed on it forevermore. Because, again, the point of all this, and why I, I even understood the Russell Wilson talk as it was happening, the point of all this is you find the franchise quarterback, right. however it is it comes about. And so if right. any franchise quarterbacks were available to you and you passed on them, I mean, that's I, that, that's what the Dolphins' history has been for the last 15 years. is right. th- Those opportunities have been there, and they decided on
2: other players. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, we've had a lot of inquiries about how you can contribute to the 5 Reasons Sports Network other than just giving us money, which we'll certainly take, or being a podcaster, and I have too many bad ones already. So here's <laughs> an idea if you want to get involved with us, and it goes beyond our new website, 5 We are looking for sales representatives. Why? Because we have a lot to sell. We sell ads on our podcasts. We sell ads on social media. We also are selling sponsorships and banner ads on our website. So we got a ton of inventory to sell. We are credentialed with all five teams down here. We're fully established, and we just want somebody who can go out into the community and sell that product, sell Miami Sports by Miami for Miami to the South Florida community. So if you want to get involved, here's two ways that you can contact us. One is by going to Skolnick at fivereasonsports.com, and the other way is going to Jorge, J O R G E, at five reasons sports.com reach out one of those two ways and we will get back in touch with you and tell you how you can help and how you can make money the other problem is the other players they decided on did not turn out to be great players if they turned out to be great players you could look past it you pass on a quarterback but you take an elite corner you can you can talk about it you know you take an elite defensive end yep but I mean You no. could have, you could have made an argument for Jake Long over Matt Ryan if Jake Long was still your left tackle. Right, and that and Jake Long might still be the left tackle if rest in peace Tony Sperano hadn't played him in the fourth quarter of a of a fourth, pre-season of game. the fourth preseason game. So you just don't know. I you know, and so that wasn't a bad draft pick, but this is a franchise that's gotten a lot of things wrong in the draft over the years and so and they've gotten some things right. But Chris Breer Greer's been there for a lot of it. And Chris Greer, Chris Breer. Chris Albert Breer. Chris Greer <laughs> has been here for that all these years of not taking a quarterback. Yeah. And that's so he's going to get asked the question if they, they take, don't take they, quarterback again. They've taken two since 1970 in the first round: Dan Marino and Ryan Tannehill. It, it's just insanity. I mean, they haven't even. It's not even like they've taken late round guys. Like they took Dowdy. they took Josh Heupel. They've taken like there's yep. a handful, the, but the, like, Patri- the Patriots have taken more quarterbacks since Tom Brady
1: was drafted than the Dolphins have. Yeah,
2: it's just it's just crazy. I, I Ryan Tannehill had the longest leash in sports. Yep. And it was always the fact that again, not even a third round pick, not even a third round pick. Just to, it, it was basically
1: <laughs> right. we have to clear everyone out so, so he, that he so there's no conference. doubt that right. it's it's Ryan Tannehill, right? And it's just it's so it's so backwards, but yeah, I, I, I'd like to see it, um, and uh, and I'd like to see them take a quarterback and and give him a go at uh, at playing behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just a couple more things mm-hmm. uh, before we go. Um, one, what position group would you prioritize with the first round pick? Which one would you go for first? Uh,
2: I think they need defensive ends. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you find pass rushers, you know, you can have a pass rusher for 8, 10 years. I, I just – they need to get pressure on the quarterback. There's nobody on the roster. I mean, I don't believe in Charles Harris. Neither do I. And Wake's gone. You know, Quinn's is gone. Quinn's gone. And Not that he was great, but Quinn's gone. Is, uh, they, they cut Andre Branch, right? Uh, they cut Branch. Vernon uh, has been gone for a few years. Like, they, they don't have pass rushers. Like, you how, how are they – I mean – I don't care how good their corners are. Like, I mean, their corners are going to get exposed. Like, you can't – they cannot – they're not going to – they didn't get pressure on the quarterback last year for consistently. When they – that was, you know, one of the highest-paid position groups in the NFL. Yeah, they need – look, linebacker group to me needs help, but I, I think um, they need pass rushers. Um, Now, offensively, I don't know what stands out. I mean, I they need a right tackle, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I, You know, I don't – you know, sometimes you can draft a really good left tackle from college and then move him. And then you know it's the same thing they've done many many times where they've had a guy start at right tackle ends up at left. Uh, maybe they do that, but I, to me that would be it. Now if you can get a dynamic player playmaker at wide receiver, maybe. But I, I I don't I don't know. I mean they brought back Devontae Parker. I just I just don't understand. Uh, and, and you know and again Wilson and Grant coming back uh, from major surgery. You know Stills I think has to be more. You know Stills is probably gonna have a good year because I, Fitzpatrick can use. Uh, now, I know CK's done the numbers on this, and Fitzpatrick's deep ball is not great, but I feel like I've seen it. Like- well, I, I, he at least takes chances, right? Right, 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 he, right, He will at least throw the ball downfield and allow Kenny
1: Stills to make a play. It right. might not be an accurate pass. It might be straight at a defender. But at the very least, once he throws it, it like, that opportunity is there. And, uh, there, you know— there, there might be the turnovers that might end up being a good thing for the Dolphins in the long run. But but at the very least, those players are not going to feel frustrated that no one ever throws them the ball. It's not going to be the Adam Gase offense, which is very conservative. Right. And, and so I, I do think if Fitzpatrick plays with those guys, you can see a bit more from them. I, I'm leaning towards offensive line from this standpoint, even if it is right tackle and even if that is boring. Um, I, I do think that having Laramie Tunsell in place and whichever mm. right tackle you prefer um, – if, indeed, the Dolphins are going to be bad and take a quarterback early next year, you want to have that structure in place. Right. And even though the the, the receivers that we're talking about uh, might not be enough, I think it's... It's good enough to where when you have a quarterback, you can't say, well, he has no one to throw to. Right? Because right? Kenny Stills has been one of the best deep threat receivers in football for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson and Grant have incredible speed. Uh, they might need another guy for Devontae Parker, but I, right. I, I, I think that they can find that next year, either in free agency or in the draft. Um, I, what I do, I, I, I just want to see a quarterback that comes in in 2020 right. that has an opportunity behind an offensive line that's cohesive and Mm. set and has promising young players that feel like a core for a long haul because we've just, I mean, as, as maybe as much as we overrated Ryan Tannehill um, at times, I I do think that he might've been irreversibly broken Mm. by the bad offensive line. The first two or three years of his career took more sacks than anyone in the league. We saw it happen to David Carr and maybe he just didn't have his eyes downfield as much because he never got to play behind a good offensive line. And so, I, I just – I don't want and, – and also, if we're talking about Ryan Tannehill having the longest leash in sports, well, part of the reason why is because every year we had a new excuse for him. Right. And so you don't want to have the ability for the next quarterback to have excuses so that you're strung along right. for year after year after year after year because, uh, we don't believe in this offensive line. We don't believe in this receivers group. And so you, you just don't you, – you want that quarterback to be in a good position to succeed when he comes in. So I'm prioritizing offense – In terms of building out that infrastructure, and maybe next year you can start to work on defense as as you look ahead to bring in that new quarterback. Yeah,
2: I I can understand that. I I think, um, yeah, like I said, you don't want the excuses. We've had too many excuses. Uh, I I just, uh, I think what they need to do again: identify the player that they really want. They have positions of need everywhere. Identify the don't go to some of the interior spots if you can avoid it, but go go to you know the exterior spots that that are the most important, with the exception of quarterback. And then try to pick the best player. If he's not there, trade down, get more picks. I, that that would be, to me, that's the direction to take this thing in. Um, and so, I, you know, I hope that's what they do. I hope we don't come out of this draft thinking, oh, same old Dolphins. But I don't know what it would be that would lead to that, to right. be honest. I, I mean, it would have
1: to be a special teams player or maybe an offensive guard. Yeah, like, I, we're, we're going
2: to take any more over Anquan Bolden because yeah. he can help us on special teams. Like, that's but the... There, you know. there isn't even... Like,
1: Anquan Bolden's not in this draft. Right. Even like from a name perspective, maybe in 10 years from now, you'll look back at the drafting. Oh, that player was there. Why didn't you right. take him? But from like a name perspective, from a school perspective, they're just, I'm, I'm looking through the group of skill guys. There just aren't those guys right. out there that, and it feels like a lineman. And, and actually if, in, in some respects for me, it's a good thing. I do kind right. of wonder again, if we're talking about them losing a bunch of games next year, um, it, drafting foundational players that maybe are not the kind of players that help that can individually with one performance of getting four sacks or three interceptions or, or, Two force fumbles or right. catching four touchdowns can single handedly win you a game. They're solid, like I'm kind of looking for solid out of this year's draft, so I don't know if I'm gonna have too many issues. Um, before we go, mm-hmm. uh, I, do, I do want to transition away from the draft momentarily. Uh, mini camp opened today, and yep. Rashad Jones, we mentioned it earlier, was not there. There's talks about maybe working out a trade. I do want to point one thing out before we talk about specifically Rashad Jones. Um, all credit to Stephen Ross because he is basically writing checks Mm -hmm. um, for uh, Robert Quinn, and there was one other player that the Dolphins traded. Oh, Tannehill. Right. Where where you are giving away more money because you really don't need it this year, but you're you're writing checks to players and to teams to to which you're not playing. Like, you're not playing Ryan Tannehill, you're not playing Robert Quinn, and basically Stephen Ross is taking on more dead money so that he can get a better pick. He's basically Mm -hmm. buying picks. And I I do want to give him credit for that. But if they're going to try and do the same with Rashad Jones, they might need to, given his contract. But um, you're basically getting further and further down the line of players who you know to be good on this Dolphins team if Rashad Jones goes. But he's a 30-year-old safety that's injured a lot, as unfair as that is to say to a player playing football. But he's injured a lot. And uh coming off a year in which he was probably misused and was probably treated poorly by the coaching staff. But um but but in terms of Rashad Jones leaving, I, I it's a move that makes sense, but then it kinda leads you down the slippery slope of, well, is Xavier next? Is Laramie Tunsil next? If they don't agree to long term contracts, mm-hmm. who's actually going to be here from the team that exists right now?
2: Right. I, and I, I don't think they care. I just don't think they care. Like I, I think this is a total this is a total teardown and everything must go. So Rashad Jones gave great services organization started crack a little last year. I don't think it was his fault. I think he was playing for an incompetent defense coordinator, but he didn't handle it the best. And they're just going to evaluate it that way and say, do we need a safety at 32 years old? And you know, when we're going to be good, is he going to be helping us? And I just don't know that they think that's going to actually be the case. So, I mean, to me, that's, you know, that's the question here is, is that worth it to you uh, to, you know, to keep him at a relatively high number, and I think they're going to make a decision that's no. Yeah, and and I think they're going to try and get something for I mean,
1: honestly, I, as last year was going down the stretch, maybe a mini tank was on for them. I thought Rashad Jones would have been a great trade for someone who's trying to compete for a playoff spot because real, realistically, players like Rashad Jones, and look, the Dolphins drafted and developed him. That's one of their success stories. Mm-hmm. For the last 10 years, a sixth-round pick that's a Pro Bowl safety, that's as good as it gets in the NFL draft. But... Um, at the same time, a player at that price is a luxury for a team like the Los Angeles Rams this past year that spent a lot of money on Indominik and Sue when maybe they didn't need him because maybe he's the piece that puts you over the top in winning a championship. I think a Kansas City that, you know, couldn't get a stop in overtime against Tom Brady um, could use a player like Rashad Jones. That maybe puts them over the top. But for this Dolphins team, a 30-year-old player on that salary to try and get off him uh, might seem like the smart move. But uh, we will continue to cover the NFL Draft in full next week. We're hoping to have an episode with one of our guys from 3 Yards Per Carry to really dig into uh, the, the individual players that maybe we didn't, we didn't on this episode. We want to kind of talk about it from a more strategic point of view. So look out for that next week. And, of course, subscribe to 3 Yards Per Carry on the NFL Draft. Subscribe as well to the Fish Tank uh, covering Miami Dolphins stories from the past. Really good podcast all the time putting out great episodes. Check out the Fish Tank with Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie as well. And of course, as you said at the beginning of the episode, fivereasonsports.com for all of your coverage. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast.
2: Thank you for listening to the Five Reasons Podcast. Thank you so much.